Could Spencer Rattler indeed be one of the best quarterbacks in the country? And how could South Carolina fare against Mississippi State this weekend? I'm joined by Locked On SEC host Chris Gore to dive into all of that and more on today's Locked On Gamecocks. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day, both on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making us your daily watch or listen for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with the personal supply of five antibiotics and treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And for today's show, I am joined by a special guest and Locked On SEC host, Chris Gordy. Chris, we're in the thick of the 2023 college football season. How have things been going on your end, my man? Well, you know, Andrew, I've been having to answer all these stupid questions over the last couple of weeks. Like, why is the SEC uh, stink? Why? Why is Why is it the dying conference? Why are they losing every big game? I mean, you know, it's uh, little things like that. But hopefully, uh, here the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see the parity of the of the SEC and find that some teams are maybe a little bit better than we initially thought. Yeah, for sure. I can only imagine the amount of questions that you've had hurled your way regarding that topic, and we're definitely going to be sure to touch on that later in the show. But Chris, I want to start off, of course, with South Carolina, because the Gamecocks, they've had some positives and also some negatives on their football team, sort of start this football season when it comes to their performance on the football field. And the biggest positive by far has been quarterback Spencer Rattler, a quarterback that obviously has had a roller coaster of a career to this point. And somebody that got a lot of hype in the Columbia area throughout the offseason. And it seemed like that a lot of the national media, they were kind of like, you know what? We're going to be in a wait and see kind of approach when it comes to Spencer Rattler this time around. And Chris, the way he's performed so far, I think that you could make the case he might be the best quarterback in the SEC. And maybe, just maybe, he's back in the conversation of being one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Especially when you consider all of the other negatives that have been occurring on South Carolina's offense. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, he he has been the bright spot of the team this year. But uh, unfortunately, the 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 downer of what I was most concerned with with this team throughout the offseason was the offensive line and protecting him. Um, you know, I made this statement a couple of weeks ago, and it still holds true. If you give Spencer rather time to throw, he will find his guy and he will kill you. The problem is the O-line has not given him time to throw. We saw that, obviously, against North Carolina. It was a mixed bag. Some, when they protected him, they gave him time to throw. He completed big passes. Xavier Leggett was awesome. Uh, he's been awesome. But uh, what was it, nine sacks against North Carolina? And then this past week yeah. against uh, against uh, Georgia, not as many sacks, but a lot of hits. I mean, constantly under pressure. And it was really a tale of two halves. You could see where Georgia made the, the second-half adjustments or the halftime adjustments. and. That second half, man, it just felt like they couldn't do anything. So, um, but look, Spencer's still Spencer. He's a warrior. I, you know, every week on our 
uh, SEC, Locked on SEC show, I give winners and losers of the weekend. And I included Spencer Rattler as kind of an honorable mention of my winners of the weekend because I just thought he deserved credit for how he battled out there, uh, got South Carolina out to that early lead. Uh, obviously, you know, not great in the second half, but I just thought he battled. He tried to keep the game, in, the, the team in it. Uh, a couple interceptions, obviously not great, but uh, with no run game and offensive line as not great as they are, I think Spencer Radler is, is playing as well as he can, and and I think a lot of NFL scouts are recognizing that as well, taking that, um, taking those notes that he is really, really battled out there. Yeah, Chris, in a weird way, it kind of feels like that Spencer Rattler has garnered a lot more respect, especially from those NFL scouts that you mentioned, because of the fact that, hey, he is not playing in perfect circumstances right now. You know, every other play, he is taking a hit or he's having to run for his life outside the pocket. He's got little to no run game to speak up behind him. I think South Carolina ranks dead last in terms of rushing offense in the SEC. And yet, despite all that, he is still going out there and putting on a show for at least, you know, a good portion of these ball games against really, really good competition. So Spencer Rattler, I think it's definitely fair to say he has upped his stock, even though we're only three games into the 2023 season. And Chris, that leads me to my next question. Uh, Dow Loggins, obviously a hire that garnered in some ways some criticism and in other ways, maybe just some fair questions this past offseason. A guy that had been in the NFL for a very long time. Things did not work out there. He goes to Arkansas, his alma mater, for a couple years as their tight ends coach. And then Shane Beamer hires him this past December. And quite frankly, a lot of people sort of were, you know, scratching their head over the hire because they didn't really see maybe what this guy could bring to this offense. And I guess that leads into my question about Loggins, which is if Spencer Rattler's doing really good right now, Chris, do you think that that means that Dow Loggins deserve a lot of praise as well? Or do you think that maybe we still need to give him some time to see what kind of coordinator he's going to be in the SEC? I think he deserves some credit. Um, you know, I, I know fans were very critical of Marcus Satterfield last year, and, and they had their reasons. I mean, uh, yeah. Rattler's numbers earlier in the year were, were not great, and then later in the year they they take off and, you know, we see this explosion of offense against Tennessee and, you know, the, it, it was just like, what, where was that all, all earlier in the year? Uh, the constant, you know, telling us they're going to use Jaheim Bell and then we never see it. it you know, it was just like all these weird, inconsistent things. So it does feel like an improvement from that standpoint now with, um, with logins. And yeah, I was one of those critical people. It, it wasn't a sexy hire, you know, when you get rid of Satterfield and you had all these big names out there, like, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's brother and, you know, Kendall Bryles, you know, there were all these names right. out there available floated around and it just wasn't one of the sexy hires. But then sure. I deferred to my people I talked to in Arkansas who said they loved them there and, and said South Carolina's getting a really good coach. So, uh, you know, Spencer, uh, Shane Beamer was very defensive about it in the spring. Remember, you know, he was like going to bat for him going, you know, you guys don't even know who this guy is. He's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I think the jury is still out. I'd say, probably more of a passing grade than a fail so far, but they, they have to develop a, a rush uh, or a running game. They've got to find some way to do it. I know they've tried the carry and joiner there. I know they've tried, uh, you know, Mario Anderson's had some carries. Juju McDowell just, I had high hopes for him. He just doesn't look like he's a consistent running back at this level. And it's magnified a little bit, Andrew, when I'm watching USC the last couple of weeks and Marshawn Lloyd is their leading rusher. Uh, for the Trojans, and it just sucks because I'm like, why did that guy leave? He should stay at USC, and I think I think they'd be a little bit better with him there. So, regardless, uh, run games got to improve, and then you know, pass protection. They just got to do their best. I understand this is just 
it is what it is. Um, you know, you lose an old lineman this week for the season, but I think uh, I think they just got to figure out ways to either get the ball out of Spencer's hands quicker because, man, when, he, when he's holding it back there and it's one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, that pass rush is closing on him and, and it's a sack. So, um, again, passing grade so far, but a lot of areas still need to improve on the offense. Yeah, and there's definitely been some changes made so far this season. Uh, you you saw a true freshman, Tree Babalade, a very highly tied offensive tackle prospect from this past year's recruiting cycle. He's now starting at left tackle, which uh, certainly not easy for anybody to do, especially in the SEC. And uh, Chris, I'll go ahead and tell you, you might see two true freshmen starting on the offensive line this Saturday night when they take on Mississippi State. So definitely some moving pieces there and maybe some moving pieces of running back. We'll see sort of how that rotation works out this weekend against the Bulldogs. And that kind of leads me into the beginning of our conversation about Mississippi State, Chris, because this sort of feels like it is a really important game for both teams. You know, South Carolina, you don't want to start off one and three, especially when you still have some really big time games coming up on the road at Tennessee. You got to play a Florida team that looks like maybe they're finding their stride a little bit. You got to play at Missouri, who just got maybe the biggest win of Eli Drinkwitz's tenure this past weekend against Kansas State. And you got to play at Texas A&M, who's going to be looking for revenge after you defeated them last year. Then Mississippi State, they got to play Bama. They got to play at Arkansas and at Auburn all the next four weeks after this weekend's game. So, Chris, do you think that this is a must-win game for both of these programs? It feels like one that Shane Beamer's really got to win, especially being sub-500 right now, sitting at one and two. Uh, because the road trip of Tennessee next week is going to be brutal. They they just got embarrassed by Florida. Uh, Josh Heupel is going to do everything he can do to fix Joe Milton and get him back on track. Florida, like you know, looks like they got that back, uh, back on track, getting their starting center back in there. Um, you know, at Missouri, yeah, they just beat Kansas State. It's uh, Como's becoming a tougher place to play. And then uh, at A and M, we know how tough tough it is to play Kyle Field. So. Yeah, I mean, backstretch of the season, you know, Vandy is winnable. Um, Kentucky's winnable. Clemson, I don't know. We'll see what Clemson looks like when we get there. They looked like they were going to be good coming into the season, and then they've had a couple losses pile up already. So, um, yeah, I, I just think this feels like one that South Carolina, you're better than this Mississippi State team. Go win it. I mean, go, go find a way to win it. It doesn't have to be pretty. You know, it could be ugly, but. Uh, as long as you got more points on the scoreboard at the end of the game, that's all that matters. So, yeah, it, I'm with you, Andrew, because you lose this when you drop to one and three. Man, it's tough to find five more wins on the schedule to get you to, to, to bowl eligibility. And it sucks because all the momentum that Shane Beamer built these last two seasons, all the momentum in recruiting, all this stuff that he's been doing, it would feel really uh, just bad taste in the mouth if he goes five and seven. They don't even make a bowl game. So, yeah, the, I, I view this weekend as this is a must-win for for South Carolina. Yeah, Chris, Shane Bieber was asked, I believe, at his Tuesday press conference this week about this game, and I guess maybe if there's a stronger sense of urgency, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said that they're treating this week's game like every other week, which, you know, 100% coach speak there. I think that if Shane Bieber was given some truth serum, he would tell you that, yeah, this team, they, they got to win this game. There's no question about that. You mentioned, you know, don't mess around. Go out there and take care of business early. And I definitely think that's going to be the kind of game they're going to be playing against a Mississippi State team that has a lot of storylines surrounding their program as well. And Chris and I are going to dive into Mississippi State and what else is going on on their side of things in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. 
Now, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. It is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, continue our conversation here with Locked On SEC host Chris Gordy. Chris, let's talk about the Mississippi State Bulldogs because this has been a very intriguing team to follow, honestly, throughout the past nine and a half, ten months. Obviously, This past December was a really tragic month for that football program with the passing of Mike Leach, the sudden passing of Mike Leach. And Zach Gardnett, he went from being the defensive coordinator to all of a sudden, he's now the man that's leading an SEC football program. And there's been a lot that's been going on since that time, him getting adjusted to the role, him kind of overhauling the staff and also maybe changing up the philosophy of one side of the ball, which we'll touch on in a moment. But um, Chris... My overall question with Zach Garnett is, uh, what do you think of his job performance so far now that nine and a half months has passed? Uh, look, I was singing his praises after the first two weeks and understand, you know, they opened with Southeastern Louisiana, who, you know, they're way better than, but, um, you know, slow out of the gates and then they, you know, pulled away, poured it on late. Uh, and then against Arizona, it was a weird game where it felt like they kind of dominated much of the game. They had four turnovers. Well, four interceptions, five turnovers against Arizona, and still had to go to overtime with them and, and win in, in, overt- in overtime. But I liked what I was seeing from the run game. Woody Marks, through the first two weeks, was the leading rusher in the SEC. Um, you know, offensive line appeared to be run blocking. Now, the passing game came way down. It was kind of weird because we talked about it coming into the season. Will Rogers, one of the most experienced, most productive quarterbacks in the country, not just the SEC coming from that air raid Mike Leach system, and we just wondered how different it would look. You bring in Kevin Barbe from Appalachian State, and, man, they've gone more traditional style. Um, you know, run the football, um, you know, two wide receivers, three wide receivers, 11 personnel. Like, I don't know what made them want to go that route, but clearly, as we saw against LSU this past weekend, that might not be their approach. I mean, what was kind of fascinating was right before halftime, they get into their two-minute offense, and they start putting four wide receivers out there. Suddenly, you start to see Will Rogers look a little bit more comfortable, and then they went away from it. I'm like, dude, like you got to go with what your quarterback likes, what he's used to, and I start exactly. to question the hire completely. Like, 
look, Zach Arnett did a really good job with that defense. I think he's a really good defensive mind, and I think he can be okay as, as a head coach, but I don't understand why they didn't go out and find an OC that runs an air raid that could have come in and just picked up right where Mike Leach's system left off. Um, you know, it reminds me a lot, Andrew, years ago when um, when Bobby Petrino left Arkansas and they hired Brett Bielema. Brett right. Bielema comes in and goes, yeah, we want to, you know, we want that Big Ten mentality of big offensive line and power football. And he looked around the roster and they went, dude, you don't have that. Like, that's not what Bobby Petrino ran. So it was almost like he had to re-recruit, you know, his entire roster and get in people that fit his system. And that's what you're looking at Mississippi State is you got an entire team fit for an air raid system. And you're not running air raid. So, um, yeah, it's it's a mess. I don't know what Mississippi State's identity is. Like I said, the first two weeks, they look like a run first team and it looked pretty good. And then LSU bottled that up and said, what else you got? And they couldn't pass protect. Well, Rogers looked confused. I mean, it was just and they were at home. Like, that's the craziest part about it. So maybe you're catching these guys at the right time where they really don't know what they are. They don't know their identity. And I know they're going to be tough defensively, even though LSU kind of you know, made, made work out of, out of them. I think we're going to find as the year goes along, LSU is one of the best offenses in the country. I know everybody crapped on them when they lost to Florida state week one, what they people ignored, they still put up 450 yards of offense of Florida state. And they yeah. currently lead the sec. They're the number one offense in the sec in terms of yards per game. So um, yeah, I think Mississippi state defensively um, they're going to come in hard nose, ready to go. They got some great linebackers, jet Johnson, um, you know, Boogie Watson, all those guys that they play really hard. Jaden Crumity got into the backfield a couple of times last week for against LSU. Um, they're going to try to get after Spencer Adler and disrupt him. And, uh, you know, Spencer's got to take care of the football. No, no turnovers this week. But again, this is this is probably the right time to catch Mississippi State where they're going through a flux of they don't really know who they are with an identity on offense. Yeah, you know, Chris, the ironic part about this weekend's matchup is South Carolina fans, they might watch what Mississippi State does offensively, where it feels like they're trying to put a square peg into a round hole with the personnel and the system they're trying to run. And it's going to remind, I think, Gamecock fans of Marcus Satterfield, because again, I mean, the Gamecocks clearly did not have the personnel the last two years to run a conventional, traditional pro-style offense, and yet that's what Marcus Satterfield tried to employ here. And it's why, you know, even when Spencer Rattler got here, one of the best quarterbacks that you've had talent-wise uh, ever in your football program's history, you know, they were still sputtering out the gate until finally they realized, you know, hey, maybe if we just simplify things a little bit, things will actually work a little better. And of course, that's what happened. So, you know, maybe the same thing happens with Zach Arnett's squad, but you're certainly right. They they look completely out of sorts last weekend against LSU and uh, South Carolina, they may be catching them at the right time. And these guys have yet to play on the road this year. So that might just make things even worse for them on Saturday night. Chris, to get your final thoughts on this game, FanDuel currently has this line set at minus 6.5 points. It started out at minus 4.5 points, so this line's already bumped up two whole points since Sunday afternoon. Do you have the Gamecocks winning this game? And if so, do you think they cover currently that 6.5-point spread set by FanDuel? Yeah, I mean, I think in a world, like if I could script it out and South Carolina wins this game, yeah, they're winning by they're winning by at least a touchdown, so... You know, that's that's where I would lean, you know, money wise if I were betting. But uh, I think, you know, the line movement, I think, is a little bit of an overreaction to what we saw last week. It's funny. LSU's hosting Arkansas this week. A week ago, that early line was about LSU minus eight and a half. LSU goes and beats Mississippi State 41-14 and Arkansas loses at home to BYU, a team they were favored against. Suddenly that line moved to 18 and a half. So it's just so crazy how quickly one week can change our mind on what we think of teams and 
you know, yeah, we see Mississippi State get bludgeoned by LSU. Suddenly, yeah, South Carolina four points. No, how about more closer to a touchdown favorite? Because people think, look, South Carolina played, gave Georgia their best effort. And, um, you know, I would have been fascinated to see Andrew had that game been in, in Columbia. You know, is that one that South Carolina pulls out? You know, again, Georgia had the benefit of being at home, made this the halftime adjustments, figured out how to run the football. That was a big thing. Them getting Dejon Edwards back. If they hadn't gotten Dejon Edwards back, I don't even know if the run game produces this past week for Georgia. So there were just so many things that went into their favor. But uh, again, I, I know Shane Beamer was very, very upset after the game and, and said, look, we just, you know, we can say we just went toe to toe with the best team in the country, the number one team. And I think South Carolina has a lot to be proud of, but what they do need to do is hit that reset button, understand what their record is, you know, what's the old saying you are, what your record says you are, you're one and two. Let's regroup. Let's find a way to win this one. And uh, again, I think, uh, you know, I think those points are, are probably accurate. They, they just got to protect. They got to protect and, and get some of these other offensive weapons involved. And, you know, even if it's not a run game, get, get something, you know, maybe some more end arounds, maybe some jet sweeps, something to get movement going where they're not just pinning their ears back and saying, let's just bull rush and get after Rattler. Yeah. And, you know, Chris, you talk about how competitive South Carolina was against the Georgia Bulldogs. I've had some talks, of course, with a lot of the Lockdown Gamecock fans that watch and listen to the show this week. And I sort of reminded some people on the Monday show, I said, look, y'all, the last three years, South Carolina, they were out of the game by halftime when they played Georgia. I mean, Georgia ran away with it. And now this year, you're upset because the Gamecocks, they feel like they let one slip away. And sure, that probably was the case in a sense. They did let one get away from them. But at the same time, I do think that that goes to show just how much the program has progressed under Shane Beamer's watch. And, you know, if they can get some more depth at really important positions, then, hey, maybe a couple years down the line, that game ends up differently. And we'll, of course, see as Shane Beamer continues to try to instill his image and his imprint on this football program. And the fact that Georgia, it took them 30 minutes to really start to get things going, maybe that means that there is more parity in the SEC this year. Maybe it's a down year for the conference. I'm going to ask Chris Gordy about his opinions on all of that in just a couple of moments. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season, it is fully underway. A lot of incredible games so far throughout the first two weeks. And if you want to make some money on some of these NFL games, Right now, if you join FanDuel, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Again, that is $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Right now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. All right, Chris, let's now zoom out a little bit and let's look at the entire SEC because so far this year, admittedly, um, the SEC has not showed up quite well in some of these non-conference Power 5 games. Admittedly, uh, South Carolina, they own a piece of the blind pie on that one because of the fact that uh, they did not show up against North Carolina in week one. Obviously, uh, Arkansas loses to a BYU team that they were favored to beat at home this past weekend. It's just a recent example. Uh, Florida State blows out LSU in week one, or at least by the scoreboard, by looking at the scoreboard, they ran away with that one. The SEC just has not shown up in a ton of these games. So, Chris, I'll just go ahead and ask you, 
Is this a down year for the SEC, or do they just need some time to get things going? Um, I mean, it, feel, it does feel like through the first three weeks, and it could be technically a down year because they've lost a lot of the, the non-conference games. But I will say, like, Texas beating Alabama was not a shocker. Texas played like the better team that day. If Florida State beat LSU, that was not a shocker because, uh, you know, they play like the better team that day. And, you know, the two week one games, look, Utah was favored to beat Florida. They beat them. North Carolina was favored to beat you guys, and they beat them. So I, I don't, you know, like those aren't ones that I can necessarily look at and go, those were crazy losses for the SEC. The BYU one was was a bad one. That was one for Arkansas that they, they should have won. But, um, you know, look, I can look at other ones where Mizzou beats Kansas State. That was unexpected. C- congrats to, uh, you know, Eli Drinkwitz. He had, thought he had a lot of pressure on him. He had that contract extension. He's already lived up to it. You know, all the talk and the hype for Tennessee, I think we neglected. Maybe Florida's not as bad as everybody was making them out to be. One of my bold predictions coming into the year was I said, Florida, if they could stay healthy, that they're going to lead, they're going to be one of the top five rushing teams in the SEC this year. And we already saw they get their starting center, Kingsley Aguakin, back, and suddenly Trevor Etienne, Montreal Johnson, they're running wild, and they're they're up to number six in the SEC in rushing now. So, um, you know, I think Florida is going to be a little bit better. Kentucky looks pretty good so far with Devin Leary at quarterback, though they haven't really be, been tested yet. I, I love how Kentucky's schedule set up. They play like three nobodies, and then their first conference game is at Vandy. Like, if if Kentucky's every not single year, yeah, if, if Kentucky's not four zero next week, then they got they got problems. Um, Missouri, the way they look right now, the next couple games, if they beat Memphis and some of these games, like they could be five and zero going into hosting LSU in a couple weeks. So that one's kind yeah. of interesting. Like, you know, maybe Mizzou is a little bit better than we gave them credit for. Ole Miss is doing their customary, hey, we're winning all our early season games, but we saw this a year ago where you know they started seven and zero, and then suddenly all the losses start to pile up because they play tougher, tougher competition. Um, Texas A and M, I think they are, you know back on the rise everybody you know crapped on them for their performance against uh, Miami but their offense was pretty stinking good the defense was not good that day DJ Durkin I thought didn't do a very good job but that said if they beat Auburn this weekend start 1-0 in SEC play I think A&M could start to run off a bunch of wins and um, you know like I said Auburn is kind of that wild card team right now like Hugh Freeze is there I think maybe not in year one but I think down the road they're going to start to build something really really um, really really strong there and then, of course, Alabama. They're just a mess right now, a quarterback. But they're going back to Jalen Milrow this week. If they beat Ole Miss in Oxford or Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa, they'll feel good about themselves. And who knows? Maybe Alabama has a chance to write write their positioning and start to run off a bunch of wins. So, yeah, it's it's technically by the letter of the law probably a down year for the SEC. But I still think there's a lot of strong teams that can really make some noise this year before it's all said and done. Yeah, you do look at it, you know, some of those non-conference matchups that SEC teams have lost, you know, they've been facing some of the top teams in other Power 5 conferences, and so maybe that is a bit misleading, and, you know, it shouldn't necessarily send the message to people that the depth has gotten worse, you know, this is still a very deep conference, and again, it is early in the season, we got plenty of games to go, so maybe by the end of the year, you know, the SEC, it's it's right back to, yeah, the SEC, they are still definitely the best conference in college football, and they're going to have the best athletes and the best coaches, so I definitely agree with your sentiment on that. I guess the one final question that I have for you, Chris, and again, really appreciate you coming on to today's show, behind Georgia and the SEC East, assuming that, you know, that second half of the South Carolina game, maybe they did figure things out, and now they're going to start rolling for the rest of the way. 
Does it feel like that second place is still wide open, maybe even more wide open than we suspected coming into this season? Yeah, I think so, because uh, like I said a, a few minutes ago, I'm still bullish on Florida. I think they're going to be better than we we're getting them credit for, but their schedule's still brutal. And so the losses could pile up there. Um, Kentucky, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm optimistic on them. They've passed the smell test so far, but once you get an SEC play, you never know. And, you know, they could start to lose. Mizzou could start to lose. We expect Vandy will will fall off to the bottom where they typically are. And then the biggest question is, Andrew, what is Tennessee? Is Joe Milton, you know, okay, we know right now he's not Hendon Hooker, but can he be fixed? Can Josh Heupel retool, fix what's the, what the issues are there? Keep in mind, they've not had their starting center play any game this year in Cooper Mays. Uh, they were talking about how he's the straw that stirs the drink of that offense. When he's in there, he's the one dictating the tempo where they run, th- well, you know, what was the average, three plays a minute. Like, if they get Cooper Mays back in there, um, Squirrel White, White, Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy, all those receivers, if they're on the same page with Joe Milton and they and they fix that chemistry, then, hey, maybe Tennessee is legit and they can be that team that runs off a bunch of wins and uh, finishes second in the East. But to your point, right now, yeah, this thing appears wide open, even for an 0-1 South Carolina team that just went toe-to-toe with the best team in Georgia. Um, you know, who knows? If they, if they take care of their business, win some of these games at home that they're supposed to, yeah, you could maybe find you – know, maybe it's maybe it's two losses in the SEC or three losses. Maybe that's what that team is that finishes second in the East. Because again, Georgia's right. schedule is stupid, but I still think there's a chance Georgia trips up and loses a game somewhere along the way. And then what does that mean head-to-head with somebody else? So, it, yeah, this thing is wide open. And, um, hey, look, the Gamecocks, uh, they got to take care of themselves. They can't worry about who's next or who's ahead of them, who's on their schedule. you got to do the little things, try to find some run, some run game, uh, continue to try to protect Spencer Rattler and and try to force some turnovers. I was encouraged by the defensive effort I saw on uh, on Saturday from the Gamecock defense. I, I w- had some big questions about them up front. I think they're starting to get better and better. So, um, yeah, let's see what they can do defensively, force some turnovers and uh, maybe steal some more games this season. Certainly a lot of intriguing storylines to follow as the SEC football season continues to roll on. Chris, thank you once again for coming on to today's show. For those of you who want more SEC football content, be sure to go and follow Chris Gordy at Chris Gordy on X or Twitter or whatever the heck you call it these days. And also, be sure to go give Locked On SEC a watch or listen, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. For all you Locked On Gamecock viewers and listeners, have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.